This morning we're talking about righteous character in everyday life. Righteous character in everyday life. And uh, due to the depravity in man, in fallen man, I think that's what constitutes the struggle. Man has an inherent righteousness in him, but it's of the world. It's fallen nature is in essence of, of what he is. Uh, it's carnal. There's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof is death and destruction because a man's ways are right in his own eyes. And we're generated by self. We're self-driven. And as we come into the church, I reading the other day, I was telling my wife about the, uh, I think it was May or something of this year John Reitenbar had passed, uh, it must have been during the time when Charles Stanley had passed, but a lot of the older saints are going home or whatever, John Reitenbar was part of the Church of God Church of God that Herbert Armstrong had started the Worldwide Church of God and there was some out of that that came out of that denomination after uh, Herbert Armstrong passed. Ronald Dart was one of them. He passed a while back. But, you know, I, I, it's a whole lot of different ministers who I listen to or whatever. But with John Reitenbar, he, a lot of things he would say it was a cult or whatever, or his teaching or whatever, because at first it wasn't focused on carrying the gospel to the world as the proclamation in which we should have. That's what Herbert Armstrong felt, but the gospel hadn't went out to the whole world, and even if it had, Jesus Christ had commissioned us to preach the gospel, to continue preaching the gospel. But what a lot of people fought right in Barfoy is that he was not so focused on evangelization evangelization evangelical effort but he was devoted to as Paul said I mean as the writer of Hebrews says laying aside the doctrines of baptism and laying on of hands let us go on to perfection and you see a lot of ministries today they're having teaching ministries and a little bit of preaching in their ministries but it's for the perfecting of the saints. It's getting doctrine understanding down. It's strengthening or reinforcing the saints because that that's the church's job is to a preparation of a priesthood for the kingdom of God. Doctrine is what matters. When he says they shall all be taught of God, we, we read about that word. It says, uh, verse 12 says, And I will make thy windows as agates, and thy gates of carbuncles, and all thy borders of pleasant stones. And all thine children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. So this whole thing should be about the kingdom of God. We're missing it. We're missing it big time because... We're not preaching that the kingdom of God is impinging upon our everyday lives. 
I think Joyce Meyer had her have a show that come on on Trinity or whatever station she's on, Everyday Living or whatever. But see, in your everyday life, God must be increasing and you decreasing. The word is your substance. That's what you should be living off. We shouldn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So what we're looking at here in the 54th chapter is he's talking about a church that the first point is, has the spirit in dwelling in them. And if the spirit of God is not in you, you're not one of his children. So that's where we get messed up in the New Testament is the New Testament is to the church. After you pass the Acts of the Apostles, that's forming of the church or whatever, all those epistles are to converted people. Those are the people with the Spirit of God that's been born again, and the Spirit is guiding and leading them into all truth. So it's not people that's antinomium. It's, it's not people that don't understand when they say when we say that the law was did away with that you're not under law anymore they don't understand that under the grace and truth of God we help establish the law we bring in the kingdom so when we pray give us this day our daily bread we're looking that prayer is a spiritual prayer and it's asking for spiritual substance it's asking for the food the manna that comes from heaven the word of God. It, it's essential to the church. You know, Peter said that he had to give himself to studying the word of God. That's why they created the deacons. He had to focus on the studying the word of God because Jesus made it emphatical when he told him, he says, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. He told him that three times. If you love me, feed my sheep. Now, feeding of the flock, we talked about it when Peter says that the elders among you, that's their job, is feeding of the flock. Paul had kind of got frustrated with the Corinthians because they were carnal. They wasn't growing. They had all of the spiritual gifts, but yet they were carnal Christians because the spirit, they wasn't allowing or submitting themselves unto God. They were looking or trying to form their own. They were right. In other words, it's like the a lot of the denominations and churches today. We're not preaching repentance and we're not convicting the people of sin. Before you can get a person saved, you have to get them lost first. Unless you know about being lost, unless you... The angels don't know about the forgiveness of sin because they've never lived that life. So once you're lost, once you've anticipated and went through these struggles and suffering, once you're saved, then there's a debt debt of gratitude that you feel to the one who redeemed you, who had put you back in right standing and uprightness, and that's Jesus Christ who bought us, who redeemed us by his blood. Yes, That's yes. what we're drinking of today. That blood that was shed for us. Yes. That just that put us in right standing in proper state. And until you justified, 
you can't go on in righteousness because you're not you don't have the proper foundation. So Jesus Christ came. God was in Christ reconciling the world back unto himself. So he had given us a ministry of reconciliation. We must be reconciled back to God. We must all be taught of God. And that that's not going about trying to establish your own righteousness and not submitting yourself to God. Going out teaching things that you didn't heard of, not from a preacher that was sent by God, but some twisted gospel of of an unrepentant man, of an unconverted person, and believing just like the Jews believed since they was inheritors of the birthright of that they go, they were God's chosen people, not knowing that the children of the kingdom would be cast out. Because this inheritance doesn't come by physical birth. It's by the hearing of the word. You're born by the hearing. You're born by the word of faith. God graciously allows you to hear his word preached. And that word preached, you hear it from a preacher, and that word has an effect on your life. It convicts you of your lostness. It convicts you of your rebellion against God. It shows you, and it's just like when a, a, a bride, he talks about a bride that's been rejected in this cha chapter. This whole chapter, when you read it, you'll see that this is like some woman that's been rejected, and she's in her teens and maybe her early 20s. It looks like time is passing, and she may not have children. She may have some of the church, it says, who were desolate. But we're looking at the woman in Revelation that had child or whatever, and she hid in the wilderness. Well, along comes this Savior. Jesus sees us in our blood. He sees us cast off and lost. He does as Hosea did for Gomer. He bought her back. He bought his wife back for 30 shekels of silver. He bought, he bought us with his blood. He paid an awful precious price for us. So we have a debt of gratitude to us, to him. Yes. And so if we ever, that's why Paul, as he grew along, he said he's the greatest of sinners because he's seen everything that he did in his life was against Christ. Amen. Now, this woman that this man, that this Boaz bought Ruth, Ruth probably didn't rebel against Boaz. She was ever thankful to Boaz for redeeming her. Just like we forever thankful to Christ for redeeming us, something he didn't have to do. He graciously saved us. But through familiarity in the church nowadays, the people that are so-called professors of, of God or whatever, God calls them unthankful and ungrateful. They start to do as our children do they start biting the hand that feeds them. They no longer listen at his laws. Everything is right in their own eyes. Is as the time of judges, a man weighs was right in his own eyes. Everything you do, well, I'm a child of God and I can do 
No, he didn't save you so that you could continue in sin. He bought you so you wouldn't sin. So we are slave under righteousness. Righteousness now. What he did was when he redeemed us, when he justified us, he imputed his righteousness under us. We have an imputed righteousness. That's his righteousness. Now we have to build up on that righteousness, not our own righteousness. That's why it says here, for being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They hadn't been taught of God. It's a lot of people get in the church and weeks later, months later, or something, now they're a preacher or something. They're evangelists and all of these things. And you, you don't even understand and know the scriptures. You're trying to teach others and you have need that you be taught yourself. The verses that we pull from this morning, verse 14 and 17 out of that 54th chapter, it says, you will be firmly established in righteousness. In other words, in the commandments of God. You read as an open scripture coming from the 28th chapter. And the ninth verse it says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. These are the Israelitish people. These is Judah criticizing Isaiah in that 28th chapter because they didn't like his teaching and his preaching. And they were saying, this man, when he preaches, let me finish reading where you stopped at that. He says, this man preaches, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. That's the way he was coming at them because... Teaching is different from preaching. But see, they wasn't listening at Isaiah and they got out of kelter. Their lives got out of balance. So not listening at God, uh, the preachers and the priest of God, it says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people, to whom they said, This is the rest wherein ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. They wouldn't hear when God sent his preachers to preach to them. And so they lack understanding, going about to to establish their own righteousness, their own goodness, not knowing that you have to repent to be saved and be born again and indwelt by God's Spirit. Those are the ones that he's talking about. Those are the ones that can be taught of God. In other words, to be a man's disciple, you have to forget everything that you've learned. You're a new creation, and you have to start building up on that foundation that he had laid. We can't build up on no other foundation than that which was laid, and that's Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said the foundation was already laid. He was building up on that foundation. Upon Jesus Christ. That's the cornerstone. That's the only way in here. So with all of these other doctrines and things. You're not coming by the door. Jesus says he's the door to the sheepfold. He's the way in. What does Psalm 172 says? It says my tongue shall speak thine word. 
for all of thy commandments are righteousness. So now we're finding out what is righteousness. When I was talking about practical righteousness, or righteousness, righteousness is all of God's commandments. That's why we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Every word. So it says, you will be firmly established in righteousness, and that's in the word of God. That's why I say we have to read and study the word of God and continue in that word. It says, you will be far from the even the thought of oppression, for you will not fear, uh, you will have no fear and from terror, for it will not come near you. In other words, as I was saying, you start getting that mindset that God hadn't given you a spirit of fear. Nothing terrorizes you or make you afraid. That's why we we need to not watch horror pictures or pictures that scares or have something coming because these things are not real. These things are from this world and this world is passing away. Satan works through these things. Those are the workings of Satan. And that's why it tells us, fret not thyself because of evildoers, for they shall soon be passed away. So we're, we're thinking of a kingdom. We're looking toward a kingdom where the lamb can lay down with the lion. That the children can play on the aspice hole. In other words, that's a deadly snake. But they shall not hurt nor harm in all of my holy mountain. In other words, in the world, in the kingdom that we preach and teach, the kingdom that we look for, that we're going for, there shall be no more killing, no more stealing, no more covetousness, no more jealousy, no more backbiting, no more pain, no more suffering, no more of any of these things because they won't come to mind because God is putting us back in that state of the innocence in the garden that he had carved out this garden. He had placed man in in the garden and gave him dominion. And man turned that dominion over to Satan. He turned it over to Satan. Instead of forming the kingdom of God and praying, Our Father, thy kingdom come, you turn it over to satanicism, to to selfishness, covetousness, and greed. We have a nation that wants that lottery. You don't hear from the lottery, but once it starts pounding to millions and billions, some guy in Florida won, or somebody in Florida won this lottery. Because what comes to mind? We're a nation that's covetousness. We serve manner. It's all about money, greed, what we have. You can't serve manner and serve God. God made a distinction that you have the love of the world. And that's what you're trying to get out of you. That's what the Word of God purges out of you. Because Job wasn't concentrated on the wealth he was. He had, his wife was concentrated on. His wife was concentrated that he had, they had lost all of their children, that he had lost his health, he had lost all of his belongings. And she says, Why don't you curse God and die? He says, don't, if we receive good at the Lord's hand, shouldn't we be able to receive good? In other words, the contentment with just knowing and having God. As that Tremaine Hawkins or whatever said, long as I got Jesus, I don't need nothing else. 
Jesus is all. He's our, our all in all. Unity with him is everything. When we have unity with God, we are inheritors of all. We need to have that oneness of Christ. He's talking about the tongue and what we say and speak it. He says, no weapon that is formed against you will succeed. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. Those that's backbiting and stammering. He says, blessed are they are you when men persecute you and say all men of evil. But you start seeing that all of these things, the vindication is going to come from God. So I don't retaliate. I learn as Peter learned. Peter was the one who gave us those scriptures. When reviled, he reviled not again that we should be like that. And wasn't Peter no way like that before Christ died? Man, you say something to Peter, Peter would snap it off. He would rebuke in the Lord. He said, no, that should not happen to you. He was quick of speech. You know, he would say something. Peter was the one that cut the soldier's ear off. But see, you see a changed man that come back and submit himself unto God. He does as Christ says, Put up your sword. When he realized what Christ was saying, when he says put up your sword, put up your physical weapons because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. But arm yourself. Be Continue to be filled with the Spirit. We're fighting with a different sword. Now, we didn't come to bring peace. We come to bring a sword, and that sword is the Word of God. We will condemn the world by what we say, about our words, because that rod, that sword, is the word of God. Amen. It goes on to say that this peace, this righteousness, the security and triumph over opposition the, is the heritage of the servants of God, of the Lord. And this is the vindication that comes from Christ. We're going to be vindicated through the Lord. I was telling you about that movie Denzel had about uh, vengeance and taking all this wrath and vengeance. no. God take it, vengeance. Vengeance belonging to God. But the thing about it, he's going to allow us to speak to the mountains to move those problems, to move those troubles. So we declare the word of God. It's just like the way Abel lived, it convict Cain, and Cain was mad. You know, people get mad at you for living a righteous life. Yes. See, that's what this whole thing started about. Satan knew that God had created man to rule and reign, and Satan didn't want to play second fiddle. If you read the Shakespearean novel, Paradise Lost, it's that Satan says it's better to rule in hell than to serve here on earth or in heaven. He didn't want to serve. That's what Jesus Christ, he had a servant mentality. He said he came to serve. He came to minister, not to be ministered unto. We must adapt that 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 way. In other words, instead of being a slave of unrighteousness, being bound to Satan, being bound to the world, Jesus had set us at liberty. He had set us free and and imputed his righteousness to us. Now we his bond servants. We are slaves of righteousness. Who, he who you yield your members to, him your servant of. So don't yield your members under unrighteousness. You have to do what? Go about as Jesus did, doing good. Because that spirit that's indwelling you is created that way. 
that that's the new creation that we doing like Jesus go about doing good. After God fills the believer with his spirit, he goes about doing that good. In the book of Exodus 31, chapter the third to the fourth verse, we see where Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle and the giving of spirit was being given during those days just like it's given today except that personal spirit indwells us and never leaves us. But Bazil and it was a few people that God had moved upon in his spirit and it says, and he says, I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works to work in gold and in silver and in brass. So unless God equips us and God, each vessel in the church, he had placed us in the body of Christ as it pleased him. What, what had God placed you in the church to do? We need to make sure of our vocation, of our calling, and grow that calling, grow that talent. And that comes from practice. Practice, in other words, exercise of use thereof. There are some people, that's all the church calls them to do is pray. They, they're good prayers, you know, they're good audible prayers or whatever, and their lines are full of prayers. All of the saints should be good prayers, maybe not corporate prayers to pray the, for the church beginning all of the things in church or whatever, but we are, should be able to enter into our prayer closets and call on the Lord because we need those prayers. I've I, I told you different things that we as a church should be praying for. So whether you're blind, crippled, or half crazy, you ought to be able to pray. No matter what physical condition you're in, old, young, whether you're bedridden, whether you're in the best of health, and we don't advocate, and the Bible doesn't advocate that there's a certain prayer posture that you have to kneel praying. We say that you should pray all the time. Pray while driving. Pray while walking and laying in your bed. You should always be in that attitude of prayer. Cease not to pray. We should advocate studying the Word of God. You should continue. And God infills you. He gives you ability to, as you do these things, He constantly, continually fills you with His Spirit. As we study the Word, He gives us that ability. He says wisdom and knowledge. We start to ask from God to build up on that imputed righteousness. Not on our old righteousness. We have to forget that righteousness because our righteousness is filthy rags. They had those that went around feeding the sick and doing good or whatever, but the motivation was self-ambition. It was self. It was to be seen. It was a Pharisee attitude. attitude. The Pharisees did things to be seen. And Jesus told his disciples, now, don't cut the Pharisees short now. The Pharisees, you had to go a pretty many steps to outdo the Pharisees. They used to pray. They used to do their time. They would even tie their spices and things. But Jesus told his disciples, he says, Now unless your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees, you shall no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yes. Now the Pharisees, they didn't, couldn't come from the grocery. They couldn't come from the marketplace without washing and everything. So 
in their everyday life, they have practiced righteousness, but it was without the spirit. They had a form of godliness, but they were like these Jews. They did the, denied the power because they were establishing their own righteousness. They was doing it to be seen. A lot of people do things for the accolades that go along with it, for the prestige and the honor, and say that they are a great giver. Uh, they're, they're grandiose ideals and things that they had to be looked up to. Men of renown, in other words. People get on the internet and social media, whatever they want to be. The focus itself, it shouldn't be those things. But in our everyday life, we know what is required of well, that. What Micah says, I can use that, keep using that word Micah because I got a grandson named Micah now. Micah six and eight says, "You know what's required of you to do justly, and that is practical goodness to do what's right." In, in other words, as I was teaching that lesson, these last two lessons, civic righteousness. How are you? in the world? How are you socially with your neighbors, with the people you live with, the people in your everyday life? Are you struggling for community? Are you struggling for your state, the, the social issues? I was telling somebody one time, I don't really take make much use of it, but I belong to organization AARP. Not for the discounts and things that they have. I don't do that much traveling anymore or go to restaurants like I used to or whatever. But they back the, the communities over 50. In other words, looking after Social Security and the elderly people, what they do. That organization has lobbyists and things to do because there are many good advocacy groups in the world. People talk about and condemn the Catholic Church. There are a lot of good people in the Catholic Church that they're doing good things. If you want to see people working in the community, in the neighborhood, that pays your light bill and does a whole lot of things, the Catholics has good works. But unlike the Lutheran, uh, the Luthers or whatever, that we're not saved by our works because of a faith that has works is what we have to have. See, our faith has works. But we can't go before God and says, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we feed the needed? We can't say anything. We have to go to God and says, we believed upon your son. Yes. We believed in Jesus Christ. He was the focus in the object because of what he did. Because of his substitutionary death. He atoned. He died in my place. Yes, Lord. I, I'm looking all to Christ. That's the only reason I can get into this gate. That's the only reason I can enter in. is because of Him dying for me. There are certain purposes in life that we have to fulfill. And that's why we pray that His will be done. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, that is, His own master work, the work of art. He created us in Christ Jesus, that is, we were reborn from above, spiritually transformed. He said, let that same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. We have to be in the image and likeness of Christ. Do as he did. We're little Christ. We should walk as he walked. Yes. Walk in the newness of life. He says, it is finished. I've set the pattern here. All you have to do 
is walked therein. So we've been renewed. We've been quickened. We've been made alive. We were dead. You know, sometimes that spouse or whatever, whoever redeemed you, after a while, you start taking it for granted. That familiarity breeds contempt. That person that took you from the ghetto, that person that you thought you would never have a spouse, that you would never have a life, that person that did all that for you, now there's nothing in your eyesight. You don't look at them the same anymore. After Adonis Ammon raped Tamar, he didn't look after the same no more. He hated her worse than he loved her. He had loved her and all. A lot of us deal treacherously with the wife of our youth. A lot of us forget where we came from. We're ungrateful, unthankful because they ask it, what are you doing for me now? See, God has to keep proving to us that he loves us or whatever. But he loves us with an everlasting love and we have to take it that way. God shouldn't have to prove that he loves us. His word tells us that. And we know that he loves us. But see, it's just like Samson and Delilah. He had to keep proving by telling her his secrets and doing these things that he loved her. She was looking for a reciprocal action. She couldn't take the word of faith. That word of faith is that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. That love, hope, and faith, those are the big three. They'll never be gone. Those things are enduring. God will always love us because God is love. It says it's ready to be used for good works which God prepared for us before uh, beforehand. That is, that we're taking paths which he had set. He had set different roads for us to go down and we should seek the old paths. We should seek what God has for us in life. It says, seek ye the Lord. Yes. We should ask him and be led by his spirit, a walk of faith. This is the way. See, that's why I say we're looking to Jesus Christ to lead us and guide us into all righteousness. He had given us that comforter, and that's where we have to look to, not to ourselves. Because there's a way that seemed right to us. It's definitely struck. So we have to be confirmed in God's word. So that we would walk in those good ways, he says, so that we would walk in them. That is, living a good life which he had prearranged and made ready for us. That's why he says, no good thing that he would withhold from us. When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies would be at peace from him. He says, great peace that we should know. What's the most popular psalm? Psalm 23. It says, he leads us in paths of life. He refreshes and restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Where, what path? In the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Because of his name, because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's putting us together in crisis. These won't be lost. Keep us on that path. That sheep that's bragging in that 23rd song, he says, for the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You should that sheep read that and that restoration he's talking about. God gives us a restoration. He gives us a, everything. He gives us back that dominion that we had lost in Adam. Yes. 
we gain in the new Adam that is Jesus Christ. The last Adam. The spiritual renewal. God gives prosperity and peace. No good thing He withholds from us. We enter into His rest. We lay our burdens upon Him and cast all our cares upon Him. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So what we're doing, we're learning of Him. But what with the Jews' mistakes, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and they didn't follow Him by knowledge and understanding, Wisdom and knowledge and understanding is the beginning of the fear of Lord. the Lord. If we follow God, all of that's there. It's all in Christ. We are to lead lives characterized by well-doing. Yes. Every day, like everything we should do should be to please God in the pleasing of God. Every day, all we do. Yes. First Peter. Let's go to Peter. You remember I told you he was a somber teacher. First Peter, second chapter, fifteen through the seventeen verse says, "For it is the will of God." What people want to know? What shall I do? What's the will of God? Here's it right here. What shall I do? For it is the will of God that by doing right you may silence that is muzzle or gag the culpable, ignorant, and irresponsible criticism of foolish people by doing good. You close their mouths. And I, that's what I say. By doing good, that's why Cain rose up and slew Abel. I, I was telling you about watching this show, and I was telling you about the, this woman on there, Rosalia, something they call, I say, what, Miss Goody Two Shoes. A lot of people call people Goody Two Shoes because they don't go against anybody. She was going against her husband, Monroe, and she said, no, Nick just wants us help and save these people, and we go help him. Now, you can leave if you want. See, sometimes you have to turn on your spouse. You have to turn on your chair because right is right doing good. He says, I'm going to divide the household because sometimes people in there have the wrong ideas. We must do right no matter who is offended at it. Right is right and good is good. That's where we establish these things. Yes. That's nepotism when we do something because they are our cousin, they are our brothers or sisters, they are our spouse. It's somebody. See, it's always the other person. That, if it's somebody else's children, you can talk about it and say it. But when it's yours, you want to cover it. You know, yeah. you, you don't do. See, but that you have to have this impartiality when you become a child of God. He says, "Live as free people." But do not use your freedom as a cover or pretext for evil. But use it and live as bondservants of God. You remember I told you, you're a bondservant of God. That you want to do, you can't do. That you do, you, you want to do. See, because your body is no longer yours, I have to do good. I'm a servant of righteousness. What is right? Let me look at the word. Let me see what's right. Yes. And he writes that upon your heart. Not through legalism. See, because if I want to help you on the Sabbath, I can help you on the Sabbath. That's why Jesus healed on the Sabbath. The Pharisees was antinomic. They were legalists. They say you shouldn't be doing this. He says, but mercy and righteousness and justice, all these other things, the weightier matters of the Lord. Now, you should do these things. But if it's the Sabbath, Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. You understand the precept 
That's what Isaiah was trying to teach him. The precept. What's the precept? That's why I told you with these killings and the different things on television, they blur the precepts. Because they show you people that's going against authority in the powers that be. And God tells us to obey those that have rule of authority over you. That's why I asked you, how was your civic life? How's your civil life? We shouldn't be going against the government. Romans 13 says the governments and authorities, God had given that them that power to will a sword. And if you feared the, the government that's of God and God punishes bad governments, that's why I say this nation has to fall because it's then become corrupt. The churches are falling because they've come corrupt. Babylon of this world, the physical Babylon, is fallen. And that's why it tells us come out of the world. He says, show respect for all people. Treat them honorably. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. So we should give reference or honor to whom honor is due. We should love all men. We should, Christ says, love your enemies. I tell you, love your enemies. So this is something that we have to have a supernatural spirit to be able to do. We look to Christ to be able to love, love. You understand what I'm saying? All of this only comes through Christ. Some people have bitterness and resentful, and they're not putting it up on God's tab. The Word of God purges that from us because we see in His Word, if we have those things, if we are unjust, we will have to remain unjust because that was the first thing He did. He justified us. He put us in right standing so we should work justice. Amen. We should build up on righteousness and build righteousness. Yes. See, well, we will be established in righteousness so we have to build righteousness, huh? If we established in righteousness, we have to be a righteousness. And if we follow peace with all men, we reap what we sow. That sounds right, huh? Yes. Reaping what you sow. Yes. The last point, I only have two points, and I don't want to belabor these things. Ignorance. Ignorance. It's a lot of people that are ignorant. Now, that's not talking about your mental state. Ignorant means to ignore, rebel against. I didn't say stupid. I said ignorant. Men going about ignoring or rebelling against God. That's what our leading scripture was from Paul. It says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness... A lot of people are ignorant of the word of God or what God's word says. You, you tell them something that scripture says, I didn't know that was in there. I know that. That's right, because that's part of God's righteousness, and that's his commandments, because I tell you, all of his commandments are righteous. Why don't you understand that that's why he says, study to show yourselves approved. Yes. Yes. Rightly dividing the word of truth, because you could wrongly divide it. Why do you get on your knees and pray, give us this day our daily bread? He's not talking about bunny bread or wholesome. He's talking about the word of God. That's your necessary food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word. 
He says, hide his word in your heart. That's what he's doing. He's writing those laws on your heart. So you're going about to establish your own righteousness, your own denomination. Isaiah 56, chapter 10th through 11th verse. Israel watchmen are blind. What's the watchman? Those are the preachers, the teachers, the leaders, yes. the politicians. That that's what didn't happen. The but how did it get blind? The Satan is the god of this world who had blinded the minds of those that don't believe. See, the only way you can receive sight, the layer of the sin was blind. He says the layer of the sins was blind, wretched, and naked. See, blindness comes from the world. Satan is the god of this world who blinded the minds of those that don't believe. That's why Isaiah, when he was preaching, he says, they'll hear, but they won't understand. They'll see, but they can't see because they're blind. We're not talking about necessarily a physical blindness. We're talking about spiritual blindness here. That's why Job says, now I see. Job understood God a long ways, but he didn't have an intricate understanding of God. Sometimes when people understand something and give it clarity, you go back and say, oh, now I see. You see, because a mystery is something that has to be explained or revealed. It's not something you could figure out. So the mystery of godliness are shown to God's people because I told you Wednesday night, he said, you are my friends and to my friends, I reveal my most intimate secrets. There's things you tell a friend that you don't tell anybody else. Jesus says, you are my friends. He's going to reveal what he's doing. He says, shall I not tell Abraham about what I'm doing? Abraham was a friend of God. When people try to get to you, now I told you, friends ain't what they used to be. It's a different definition of friends because just because you got a thousand friends on Facebook, you might not have one friend. You don't know these people. And some of them will unfriend you in a minute because they're not your friends. All these friends and people you never met, know nothing about, you wouldn't know them from Adam if you met them. And you got them on their Facebook as a friend. What do you mean a friend? Maybe an associate or know of some people know of Jesus but they don't know Jesus Amen. to know God is different from a knowledge of God it says Israel's watchmen are blind they are all without knowledge they are all mute dogs they cannot bark they can't preach they can't open the people eyes they there's no conversion they're panning and lying down they love to slumber and the dogs are greedy. They never have enough. It's always put more in the collection plate. It's always devising a way to get in your pocket. Yes. Yes. They are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way. Each one to his unlawful gain without exception. Yes. By walking with God, we condemn the world. If we walk with God, we condemn the world. Uh, It says, for this is like the waters of Noah to me, as I swore an oath of the waters of Noah. So by our preaching and teaching, you know, by preaching, Noah condemned the world. They were making fun of Noah and criticizing him. But his works and his actions, because he believed God and received grace in God's eyesight, 
his actions brought about the condemnations of the world and he was saved. So our actions in our everyday life, it should condemn the world by our good doing. Thou should condemn them as Noah condemned the old world of those that reproached him. What the book of Jude says, the book, the little small book of Jude in the 15th verse says, Christ is coming with his angels and if we help judge the world, he's talking about us because he says, let the wheat and tare grow together and I'll separate them in the end. And the word of God is that separating power. Yes. That's the sword that divides. That's the sword and the rod that we use to pummel the world because it says, he shall bruise your heel, but he, you shall bruise his head. Yes. We have to put this thing to death. And it's through walking uprightly. He says they come to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly deeds that they have done in an ungodly way. All of that gossiping and backbiting, all those evil deeds and trickery you had, it's payday. It's time to pay back. The wheels of justice may grind slow, but they grind fine. Every sinner's transgression shall receive its just recompense or reward. If we believe in those things, it keeps us from doing wrong because Joseph says, Why, how could I do this sin and sin against God? The sin is against God. David says, against you and you only I've sinned. He didn't say he had sinned against Bathsheba because God defines sin. Sin is the transgression of his laws. It's not man's laws to transgress. It's God's law. Bathsheba seemed to be a willing participant in this. You know, sometimes people will willingly go along with you. They are principal to the crime. Adam and Eve, they were complicit in this, and each one tried to blame the other one. No, because the consequences are coming down on y'all. Adam, I warned you, and because you listed her, oh no, Satan, the devil deceived me. He was hanging around there looking at it and lusting after it. He says they've all gone. He says they of all the ungodly, of all the harsh and cruel things ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are habitual murmurers, griping and complaining, following after their own desires. They're controlled by passion. They speak arrogantly, pretending admiration and flattering people to gain advantage. All of these motives, these in ulterior motives that you have had hidden, what's done in the dark will come to the light. What's in that old wicked heart of yours, God will condemn sin in the flesh. Now, if you hadn't gotten that out of you, you shall perish. You've been building with wood, stubble, and hay, and whatever's not right, it's going to burn. It all has to burn. He's, he's going to send fire. The fiery judgment of God. That's the words that we speak. We're going to see do it test, stand the test of time of this fire that God's sending upon the earth. He says, for this, Peter says again, for this they willingly are ignorant. I say let's examine ignorant. He says, for this they are willingly ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water that he destroyed that old world. Yes. You willingly ignorant. I told you to come to church. I told you not to forsake the assembling together of yourself. I told you everything God says, 
You didn't come get on the ark. You wasn't listening. You wittingly ignored what I was telling you. You keep telling a child, don't do this, don't do this. My wife was working at a school when she was younger, when the kids was coming up, and it had this lady that kept warning her son, son, don't do this, don't go across that street, don't do these things. One day, that child went across the street on a, was he a bicycle or walking or something? God warned Adam, he says, Adam, don't eat of that tree. The day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Hadn't we warned people with the word? Don't we go around preaching and teaching the word? They call you holy roller. They say you're old-fashioned. They say these things. Let them say what they want. But your job is to warn them. Your job is to cleanse yourself and purge yourself. You've been imputed with his righteousness. You've been given God's way. You walk therein in that way. And he says, to close this thing down. He says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire, my prayer to God for Israel is for their salvation. He says, for I testify of them that they have a certain enthusiasm, a zeal for God, but not according with correct and vital knowledge. Jesus Christ came and died for you. The only way we get in is through obedience. He learned obedience by what he suffered. He obeyed the word practically each day. The practicality of each day he never sinned. We have to do that in our life. We have to walk in righteousness without sin. We're looking unto him to to help us, to lead us, and he has given us his spirit to equip us to overcome as he did. As he suffered, and God raised him from the dead because why? He walked in righteousness. He didn't have to be baptized, did he? John says, I need to be baptized of you. Jesus submitted himself to that ordinance because he says, suffer it to be so for a righteousness sake. We have to suffer this to be so. We have to deny ourselves. Our bodies are no longer our bodies. We have to suffer to enter in. It's that death that we have to die. Let a man deny himself and take up his cross. To take up that cross is to follow the ways of Christ. It put him on a cross. They crucified him. God submitted that they would willingly murder his son. Was God complicit in that? That cruel and wicked men murdered his son. Whatever man do to you, fear not what man do to you. Fear him that can destroy the whole body and soul in hell. I said soul, didn't I? Because the soul that sent it shall die. If you forsake all the righteousness you have done and start doing unrighteousness, All of that righteousness that you have done will be forgotten. So never grow weary of well-doing. Continue to walk in righteousness. Be shaped and formed in his righteousness. He laid the foundation. He justified you. He put you in right standing with God. He gave us the church. He had set that church here. His authorized representative on earth. He's coming back looking for a bride. 
He's not come back looking for a harlot now. He says, Babylon, the great harlot, has fallen. Come out of organized religion because it's apostate. It has left the uprightness in Christ. Satan ministers have been transformed into ministers of light. That you're walking in darkness without repentance. He says, he that is unjust, let him remain unjust. He that is unrighteous, let him remain unrighteous. Because when he comes, he's going to fix the church, fitted and fixed. Your character will become fitted and fixed. In other words, he's going to fix you to where you can no longer sin if you wanted to. You're not going to want to because those desires are no longer inherent in you. He's going to change the corruptible into incorruptible. The mortal, and I said mortal, not a soul that lived forever in some place. He says he's going to change the mortal to immortal. Because that eternal life that he had promised, he says you have eternal life. this This is the heritage of the saints. This is what he gave you from the foundations of the world. He had predestinated you, chosen a path that you should be walking on. He had predestinated, he had determined for you to walk this way. Hear your father's voice. Hear the voice of God. Walk in righteousness. Don't sully yourself with this world. Don't sully yourself. Don't listen at it. He who is righteous doeth righteousness. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this day, Lord God, for we know that the end of the law, for Christ is the end of the law. It leads to Him, and we follow in Him, and His purposes are fulfilling Him. We want to be found in Christ, for with gratitude and righteousness, we're walking pleasing unto Him. We try to please you, Lord God. Have your righteousness in us to grow, Lord God. Seek us and give us a hunger and a thirst for your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.